Hi, King's Church London. It is so good to be with you today. What a special Sunday at the end of the series through the I Ams of Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is for me to join the preaching team and be under the direction of Andrew Wilson. I have absolutely loved the opportunity to dive into a text given to me with the briefing and the notes and some of the depth of what you have as a church week by week. I have absolutely delighted in the experience. And I'm praying that God will, as a result of this final message, bring you to a place of new worship, new wonder, new adoration. And I'm hoping that it's going to land with a fire in your hearts as you go out from the meeting today. We're going to look at the last place that Jesus is referred to as I am. It's where he says, I am he in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're going to read firstly from the Matthew account. And then we're going to read from John's account. And I'm going to ask you to look out for some wondrous distinctives, wonderful differences in how John accounts for Jesus' time in Gethsemane versus the account in Matthew. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the fullness of your word, that you have not left us as orphans, destitute and in darkness and hopelessness, but you have given us your word, inspired by your spirit, and you open up your word to us as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I pray for the impact of this message, personally for each individual and corporately for King's Church as a whole, that this would result in worship and praise of your name, the shining of your knowledge through our lives in the city of London and far beyond. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus to us in a new way. For the glory of his name we pray. Amen. Well, let's have a look at Matthew's account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there to pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And verse 39, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he went to his disciples and said, You could not watch with me one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away for a second time, came back and they were sleeping, went away for a third time. And verse 46, rise, let us be going, see, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi. And kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up 
and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. John's account is written decades later. The earliest gospel accounts were written in the uh, perhaps 40 AD and John's account perhaps 80, 90 AD. And John is writing with a perspective that sees perhaps some of the cosmic significance in a fresh way. What the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew, Mark, and Luke to reveal, he now reveals in a new way through John. And John draws out four exceptional references, which I'd like you to see are distinctive or not in the earlier accounts, words, phrases, or concepts. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in John 18. It's only 11 verses, 1 to 18. When Jesus spoke these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, and who knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And so he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that had been spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? As we read that account in John's Gospel, you will see familiarity, a lot of similarity to the other Gospel accounts. But here are four things that are very different and very discerning of what John wants to get across 
and what will, I pray, result in renewed worship and wonder from us as we conclude this series. The first is the reference to the Kidron Valley. In other accounts, the reference is made to Gethsemane or the Mount of Olives. But only in John's Gospel does it mention that Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley to go to Gethsemane. In other words, he was coming from the Temple Mount or Mount Zion and crossed this valley, the very valley that David crossed when he was rejected by the children of Israel. If you remember the account in 2 Samuel chapter 15, Verse 13, it says, A messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. David's own son had turned against him and had taken the throne from David and caused all the people of Israel to turn against his father. What made it worse is there was a trusted servant whose name was Ahithophel, the Gileonite, David's counselor from the city of Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing and they drove David out of the city. The account is outlined here of them going over the Kidron Valley in verse 23 of chapter 15, 2 Samuel. All the land wept aloud as all the people passed by and the king crossed the brook Kidron the Kidron Valley, and all the people passed on towards the wilderness. The picture of this king, this authentic king, being rejected and moving into the wilderness. And then the awesome picture of the cross. Uh, Abiathar came up, and behold, Zadok came with them, and all the Levites bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. They, they were traveling with the Ark of the Covenant, made of wood, overlaid with gold, much like the cross which would be overlaid with the sweat and the blood of Jesus as he carried it out of the city. This depth that, uh, that John brings out shows that Jesus is the new David. Jesus is the perfect David. Israel's rightful king, rejected by a nation, betrayed by those closest to him and yet will return one day victorious. This is a reference by John, not only to the victory of Jesus that was about to happen as he overcame the cross, as he overcame the tomb, as he overcame death in his resurrection, but a message that he will return victorious for his bride. Those who are in Christ, will be caught up and there will be an eternity in his victorious presence forever and ever. Jesus, this one who crosses the Kidron Valley in weakness, will return in victory in a way that will eclipse the way that David was reinstated as the rightful king. The next thing John bears out is in the very next sentence, Kidron Valley where there was a garden in which the disciples entered. Garden, that word is unique. In the other gospel accounts, Gethsemane is referred to, or Mount of Olives is referred to, as we read in Matthew's account, the place of Gethsemane. But no one else brings out this 
reality of a garden. And we are drawn to the fact that this is not the only place in Scripture where a garden is referred to in which a human being faces a call to obedience in the midst of temptation and trial, representing the human race, billions and billions of people. There's another place in the Bible that that happens, and it's in the Garden of Eden. And Adam is called to obedience, but along with the, the one closest to him, absolutely fails in his obedience. And Jesus, along with those closest to him, who fail, obeys perfectly. This is the new Adam. This is the perfect Adam. This is the fulfillment of all God's design in his perfection of creation in Jesus Christ. As Adam ran and hid, covering himself, waiting for God to say, Adam, Adam, where are you? This perfect Adam comes forward. You notice that phrase, he came forward and said, whom do you seek? Instead of cowering away in the shadows and searching away from God's presence, this perfect Adam stands forward and says, whom do you seek? I am he. And that leads us to the third and wondrous declaration that we finish this series on, I am. Uh, in the original Greek text, that is ego emi, I am. In Greek, if you ask the question, is it you? you, you would answer, I am he or I am the one by simply saying, I am. And that is the very same word or name that God uses when he reveals his name to Moses in the burning bush. Moses experiences the all-sufficiency of God in that this bush is burning, but itself does not get burned. And he sees that this God is independent of his creation, does not need fire and coal to make, uh, does not need flame and um, kindling and logs to make the fire burn, but he is sufficient in himself. And Moses says, but who shall I say has sent me? They won't be here to see this and to know. What shall I tell them? Tell them, I am has sent you. Yahweh, the Hebrew verb associated with I am. Yahweh, the name of God. And you'll notice the text around this the drum roll of this is God. John says, uh, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen, came forward and said, Who do you seek? That's the divine drum roll. This is the omniscient one. This is the all-knowing one. This is he who was before, before Abraham was. I am. This is the one we're talking about. It's the drum roll. And then he says, I am. Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, they say. I am. And they fall down, prostrate on the ground. I am he. 
We don't know if they were jettisoned back or if they collapsed forward, but it had a massive impact because they were just looking for this man, Jesus of Nazareth. And the answer they get is God. Whom do you seek? The reality is we all seek God. Idolatry is the taking away from the Creator and bestowing on the creature that which is truly only God's. We can worship football and we can worship money and we can worship other people and other things. We all seek to worship. When they heard, I am he, they fell down. I wonder about the disciples around and how many got a glimpse of who he truly was at that moment. And this is my prayer for us as we land this series, that we will really see Jesus for who he truly is. Just as a little aside, he says three times here, I am he. Verse 5, verse 6, and verse 8. I am he. I am he. I am he. A little later on in the text, verse 17, verse 25, and verse 27, Peter saying, I am not. Verse uh, 17, for example, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you're also one of his disciples, aren't you? He said, I am not. Verse 25, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also, are not, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse 27, denied it again. And the rooster crowed. I'm convinced John, inspired by the Spirit of God, is contrasting the all-sufficiency of Jesus with our absolute insufficiency. Not only Peter, but every one of us. Jesus is all sufficiency as I am, all of our insufficiency as we are not. And finally, the concept of substitution. This comes in verse 8 and verse 11 very dynamically. Verse 8, Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. If you're looking for me, Take me. I'm the one you're looking for, not these guys. Don't go for them. Go for me. The substitution of him for us. Uh, the life that we were supposed to live, the death that we were supposed to die, Jesus in this moment is saying, I will live that life for you. I will die that death for you. Satan you're after me. You've already got these guys. They've already rebelled in Adam. They're already fallen. They're already hopeless. They're already helpless. I'm the one you need. You get me, you get it all. Let these ones go. It is the ultimate trade that Jesus is proposing. In verse 11, he highlights it. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup? that the Father has given me. Peter, I don't need you to fight for me. 
I'm here to fight for you. That's what's actually happening. All the compromise, all the brokenness, all the sin of the world has filled the cup of the wrath of God, the righteous anger against the sin of man. I will drink that cup. Someone has to. And here we land with the fundamental importance of all the references to I am that Jesus made. I am the door. I am the way. I am the resurrection and the life. I am he who will drink your cup. Someone has to. Either you will drink the cup of the righteous fury of the wrath of God against your sin, or Jesus does. Jesus has, and you can receive that free pass. Let this cup pass from me, was Jesus' prayer, if it is possible. Yet not my will, but yours be done. For us, it's possible. For him, it wasn't. He had to pass through to enable us the opportunity to pass. Every time we pass the cup in communion, we are declaring that that cup was unable to pass from Jesus for our salvation. But we can pass it to one another as we drink his blood and pass it and say the blood of Jesus shed for you. And similarly, how Jesus left the bread, my body broken for you. As we finish this series, I pray that the wonder of all that John draws out on the backdrop of all that the other Gospels have already shown would draw us into three aspects of worship. Firstly, those who have never received Jesus to truly acknowledge He is. He is the Lord. He is my life. He is my hope. He is my joy. He is my righteousness. He is my everything. And we live in a world that pretends that something else is what it's all about. Maybe Crystal Palace. Maybe the British Pound. Maybe what's uppermost on your mind is whether Harry and Meghan will get to the coronation or not. There's so many major things going on in the world. Wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and pain and brokenness. Will you in the midst of all of that, like the drama of Garden of Gethsemane, stand and say, He is. He is my Lord. Secondly, would this draw you into wonder for those who have received Jesus at the glory of what he has revealed in his word? The wonder of going to his word daily and seeing the power and treasure of what he has revealed in his word. That man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that passes from the mouth of God. Every word crafted in every one of the Gospels, every one of the letters, every one of the prophets, every word of what God has written there to reveal his glory. Dive into this in worship as you see him saying, I am he. And thirdly, to worship in spirit and truth 
as we live out God's Word. From this acknowledgement of His Lordship, this delight in His Word by the power of His Spirit, radiating His life in every circumstance and every circle of influence that we're involved in. Some within the church staff, some in a marketplace context, some in the sports field, some at home, every single place, shining the light of the knowledge that Jesus is Lord, as He says, I am He. God bless you, Kings London and all that God has for us in our purposes together.